This is White Lotus Radio, a podcast all about the legend of Korra. Uh, my name is Allison Coffey, and my co-host is Nora. I'm Nora. <laughs> um, today on the on the podcast, we're going to be talking about um, episodes one and two of book two, um, which are titled Rebel Spirit and the Southern Lights. Book two is called Spirits. Yeah. Book two, Spirits. Um, first non-element uh, book title. Mm-hmm. But um, we did it. We're here. We made we... it to season two. The The dreaded season two is here. And um, can <laughs> I tell you something, Nora? D- yeah. I kind of like the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of small details I would have changed, um, yeah. just in terms of sort of pacing and think... like introduction of certain things. But um, other than that, it was fine. Yeah, I think like the first ten minutes of season two are real rough, and then <laughs> the rest of this got like a lot better. Not a lot better, but it got better. Just like season one, they have to like give you some shotgun estrogen. <laughs> they got to do some shotgun estrogen. <laughs> right in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm going to delete all of that. Okay. Okay. Much like season one, they do a little bit of shotgun exposition uh, and try to like pump you full of a whole bunch of information right at the start really fast. Um, mm-hmm. which a lot fine. One of the first lines of this this season is, "We replaced the council with a president." Why? What inspired that choice? <laughs> also, Boomy retired so he can be a character. Yeah, but like, what about the events of season one? Said to Republic City, the council was the problem. What? Why need, is this a thing? We need fewer people in authority. We need one person with oh. extra authority. I see. It also allows um, Tenzin to travel the world, which is another like plot convenient thing. It's real weird, though. It's very strange. Um, was there other stuff? There was like, some other... like big stuff i felt like in that like pre-show ramble but nothing sticks out as big as we have a president now for some reason we have a president um uh cora and mako are dating mm-hmm. and like people care about it because because they're famous yeah oh um, oh um one of the exact quotes is Korra defeated Oman in the Equalists, which is not really... <laughs> no, that didn't happen. That um, certainly didn't happen. Yeah, she just punched him three times and uh, called it a day. She defeated him by, like, knocking him down once? Mm-hmm. So then, after that little, like, Radio announcer fills you in on the six-month gap. Um, six months, by the way. It's six months after season one. Keep that in mind. Yep. 
Um, so Cora and Mako have been dating for six months for some reason. And uh, one of the first things we see, which I thought was, I thought this was a good scene. I was like, okay, um, was uh, like a mysterious monster taking down a ship in, um, in the Southern Water Tribe. And, it uh, reminded me really of... We don't know what's going on yet. It kind of reminded me of the beginning of the 1998 American Godzilla movie. <laughs> <laughs> the very beginning when... Like, I think that scene is like pretty similar to a lot of like giant monster movies, and I'm glad that you went to... um i mean you know i'm that kind of person um we're gonna need bigger guns bigger fish what was it we're gonna need a bigger boat now that's jaws oh (laughs) you know it was the one line was that's a lot of fish I think one line was we're gonna need b- b- bigger guns. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to I White Zilla Radio. Familiar. <laughs> but okay, but a Godzilla um, podcast called G Unit. Come on. Oh my god, that's my brand right there. Um, <laughs> oh. Anyway, TM TM TM. Moving we, on. We are closer to doing that than you know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Smash cut to Fire Ferrets in their first match of the next season. Bolin gives an inspirational speech to uh, two randos who we've never seen before and are quite bad at pro bending. And we'll never see again and who never got names. Nope. Anyway, Mako's a they, cop now. But they lose their match immediately in the, in the record for fastest knockout in pro-bending history. Yeah. And it's mostly just like, oh, Bolin's still doing the same thing, even though Mako and Korra have moved on with their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. Mako moving on to the worst one-liner I've ever heard. (laughs) It could have been better if it were delivered good. (laughs) Uh, He's a cop now. He's chasing some people down. talk (laughs) he chases this truck down on a motorcycle which there are motorcycles now i don't remember there Mm -hmm. if there were those before but there are now and he fire bends at them and he knocks their truck over and he says looks like you've got some car trouble good thing the police are here like smash cut to (laughs) next scene oh it's so bad (laughs) oh it's bad, but, like, it's supposed to be, but it's still bad. Hmm. Like, it doesn't quite, it didn't quite reach, like, over-the-top badness that it needed to. I thought it was just plain well, old Yeah, bad. they would have had to give Mako a little, little like, couple seconds of Bolin. And they, the writers like Mako too much to make him anything but the cool one. Mm-hmm. And cops are their idea of coolness, the the pinnacle. Um. Well, he's a cool cop because um, in his next scene, we learn that after six months, he's almost made detective. 
Mm-hmm. He's also been writing these one-liners and planning them ahead of time. Yeah. Which is... What was the other one that I... That was, like, kind of okay, I thought, was, like... When you get to jail, you... tell him Mako sent you. No, that's the one that Cora thought was good, that I thought was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, you triad should have tried harder or something. No, you should have put more try in triad. <laughs> anyway... Then the actual like meat of this episode begins. As we um, did, we did skip over Asami's uh, solitaire scene. Oh, you're right. You're right. Basically, she's testing out uh, planes, and because she's the tech person in this show, and she's got a meeting with someone who's going to try and put Future Industries back on track. That's going to be a really good scene in a few minutes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> oh, so we'll now... continue. <laughs> so here's where like the the plot kicks in. Um, is Cora on um, Air Temple Island and um, Tenzin is saying to her, "Well, you've mastered." Cora uh, style airbending, but you haven't actually mastered airbending. To which Cora replies, Yeah, I totally have. Look at this. And says the words punch, punch, punch as she punches. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. <laughs> and um, Tenzin wants to go on a uh, tour of the various. Uh, air temples to like get her in touch with um past avatar stuff um her spiritual side to teach her airbending etc um which Cora sounds incredibly bored by the prospect of mm -hmm. and uh what was the next thing to happen I'm suddenly blanking gosh the family shows up. Well, the boomies there, and they're like, oh, we're going to go to this festival at the South Pole. And uh, Tenzin is like, okay, it's vacation time. And uh, Boomy's like, hey, guess what? Uh, I get to go with you because mom said I can. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, like 50. He's like 60. He's like 60. <laughs> and he's still like... Well, mom said I can, so... Yeah. I think I think he says that, well, partially because it works on Tenzin and partially because he's boomy and so he's actually a child. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think they they go to the South Pole. Uh, on the way, Korra and Mako have a brief uh, argument. Mm -hmm. Naga does not care about Mako. Korra wants. Uh, Korra is like venting to Mako about Tenzin, and then she's not. I don't remember what the problem was. It was a dumb little argument. I think she's just venting, and she wanted like advice, and Mako just kind of listens. I don't know. 
because the, the first time he goes one direction and then the second time he goes the other direction and she gets upset with him both times because she was written to mm -hmm. and they don't they weren't allowed to like talk at all about like and with any depth about their emotions I'm... in these scenes I would buy that Cora lacks the depths of emotion to articulate the thing that she actually <laughs> needs. <laughs> That's fair. I won't pin that one on the writers. <laughs> would you say that about Mako, too? Um, yeah, Mako's also an idiot. <laughs> um, they get to the, the South Pole... We are reintroduced to Korra's father, who we very briefly saw in the first season, in, like, episode one. Mm -hmm. um, He's the chief of the Water Tribe now. I don't know that he was before, but he def he might have been, and he definitely is now. Yeah, he's a hella chief. Mm -hmm. um, and Katara's there, and so is Kia. Is that right, Kia? Kaya. I am I Kaya, Kaya, Kaya. Kaya. Kaya, uh, who is the gay aunt of the uh, Katang right? family. Right? No, no, I'm not joking. She's, like, super gay. Yeah, like, literally canon gay. Oh, she is? I forgot that. Or didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. That, that comes up in, in the comic because um, Korra mm. talks to her about coming out. From what I understand. Huh. I saw like a couple panels. Huh. But yeah. Well, that's like, awesome. I love her. That's real in canon. She, does, she doesn't have much of a personality yet. And I don't remember what her personality becomes. But I liked her in this episode. Yeah. She punches Tenzin. Yeah, she does. Um, I, I love a waterbender that makes can punch. fun of him. The, the duo of... Kaya and Bumi making fun of Tenzin is extremely powerful. <laughs> it's, yeah, wombo combo. Um, shortly after uh, Team Avatar pulls up, uh, then the chief of the Northern Water Tribe and a whole bunch of Northern people and, like, his kids pull up, and that's, like, when the festival begins in earnest, you know? Yeah, and we are greeted to the first piece of conflict, for this arc, which is that, what is her dad's name? What is Korra's dad's name? I almost said Tarlock. Ta it's Tonrock. Tonrock. It's Tonrock, <laughs> Ton not Tarlock. <laughs> anyway, Tonrock and his brother Unalock, uh, mm -hmm. who is the North Pole chief. I can see how you got Unalock and Tarlock uh, mixed up. Oh. A month. Yeah. For a month. I thought they were the same person. Yeah. They're, it's, they're similar. Mm. Um, uh, they're not if you spell them. Uh, they're actually spelled very differently. Um, and then... So, Unalak and Tonrock don't get along because they're brothers and they have bad history. Um, they're brothers in this TV show, which has a history of, like, siblings never getting along ever yeah no one uh, has ever liked their family in an avatar show well uh Sokka and katara well yeah okay one then also the two 
the twins, the uh, kids of Unalox, who I don't remember which is which. Desna and Eska, is that right? Eska is the female of the two, and Desna is the male of the two. They're both like, they're both like ex- extremely androgynous. Um, but one of them's wearing eye makeup. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the girl. They could have both been wearing that makeup, honestly. That would have been good. There, There's a joke about their androgyny that I'm not a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to dwell on it, but it's a bad joke. Yeah. Anyway, the festival. Yeah, um, but we should mention that the reason that Unalak is not that uh, happy with Tonrock... Oh, right. They, he's very aware of the rogue spirits that are in the attacking ships in the in the seas, and uh, Cora hasn't heard about this because she lives in New York. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they go to the festival after they like talk a little bit about this, and. They do kind of an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk as, like, he says, like, Unalak says, like, well, this festival used to be a time of fasting and solemn reverence for the spirits, and now you can just watch some idiot try to stuff a turkey in his mouth as it smash cut to Bolin stuffing a turkey in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, on the ship, on the North Pole ship, mm-hmm. we have... I loved this. I don't care. I thought this was great. Then you talk about it since you love <laughs> capitalism so much. <laughs> well, now I don't like it anymore. Thanks. Happy to help. So, Asami goes to meet with her mysterious business partner, um, who's just a complete fucking goober, who is going to hang around for the rest of the show now. <laughs> Spoilers on that, I guess. Yeah. His name is Varric. We're introduced to him, like, entertaining a group of people by, like, look, I'm levitating. And he's not actually levitating, and Bolin calls him out, and he's like, I like your moxie, kid. And it's like an archetype you've seen before of just, like, fabulously wealthy person um, is just a real weirdo. Uh, I liked him a lot. I just thought this scene had a lot of energy. I don't like him a lot, but I thought this scene had a lot of energy. (laughs) And it was fun. Yeah, that's true. Asami keeps trying to talk business, and he's not interested in that, but he is interested in Bolin just saying whatever's on Bolin's mind, and he's like, we got a deal! He's pretty stupid. He also introduces... uh, Motion pictures. Movers. Movers. Along with mm-hmm. uh, mover stars. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> you, were, you were not as happy with this as I was. Clearly. <laughs> not really. I don't like this arc at all. Like, this first Varric arc, I don't like. I hope you're ready for three seasons of it. <laughs> Well, it changes eventually, right? He doesn't do the same thing for three seasons, right? 
I genuinely do not remember. I genuinely don't remember. <laughs> okay, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, the mover arc is the thing that I don't like, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Bolin drools over an attractive redhead because, you know, he the heterosexuality. Because um, it's Bolin. Also, they spent a lot of the animation budget on this thing for some reason, I think. Like, a lot of the stuff looks a lot smoother than it did season one. I don't know. Uh, th there's something about the animation in this season that I don't fully remember. I know that... I know that, like, two episodes were specifically animated by a different studio, I think. We haven't gotten there yet. Mm. Um, okay. I remember something about the animation, like, being discussed. Uh, I can't remember okay. what the details were, but, like... There's something about it. Maybe they did use a new studio this season. I don't remember. I'll try to like look that up uh, before next week. Um, but you already know which two episodes I'm talking about, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that definitely, okay. yeah. Anyway, um, so over dinner, um, there's more talk of the spiritual. Um, uh, unrest in the Southern Water Tribe. Uh, Unalak gives a big speech. Um, he tells Korra that, like, Tenzin and your father have been, like, keeping you locked up in the South Pole and then in Republic City. They haven't wanted you to see the world. Um, and, uh... Have you ever heard the tragedy of the spirit? It's not a tale the Jedi would tell you. Speaking of... Ironic. You start to get the impression in this scene that um, Unalak is manipulating Korra somehow. Uh-huh. Um, he... This is what I meant at the start by the pacing issues, because over the course of this episode, he completely undermines Korra's faith in... Uh, Tenzin as her mentor and mm -hmm. um, feels a little hasty like yeah he makes a couple good points of like you are being kind of held back from a lot of worldly experiences but it doesn't seem like anything that is egregious enough for Korra to ditch Tenzin right and, but, um, you know, they have to. I can buy her being temperamental enough to um, not, to, like, buy into some of this, but it's also, it's a bit rushed, and also how quickly he kind of comes off as, like, manipulating her in the, not the exact way, but in, like, a similar way to how Tarlock did. Right. That was the part that felt more rushed to me, you know? Yeah, like... We're not supposed to be suspicious of Unalak until the end of the second episode. Um, but, like, it's pretty obvious early on that... Um, mm -hmm. At least that's how I, how I read it. I read all of the beats and, like, the pacing of, of the Unalak reveals as, like, he's supposed to be 
trustworthy until episode two ends. And then when that shoe drops is when you're like, oh, wait. But I I feel like that's what was intended. But what I see is... I think that's what's intended. It didn't totally come through. Um, Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, Bolin has... Be, I found a goth GF, I guess. Um, yep. Uh, America's own Aubrey Plaza voices yep. Eska. I've Eska. already forgotten. Um, I hope it's Eska. I think it's Eska. I genuinely don't know. And uh, Eska has now taken uh, control of Bolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is his girlfriend i guess slash dom yeah i I told nora last night that like i wanted to dial back like the kink talk a little bit um after the last two weeks but uh wow (laughs) the thing about it is that bolin doesn't seem into it at all he actually seems scared which is like okay maybe rethink this this like gag is is your goof that this person is controlling and like yeah like i feel like if their genders were reversed they wouldn't have written it like it was a comedy Mm-hmm. so i'm not really sure why it's played for laughs here it's strange it's very strange it will continue more in the second episode. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, Eska is very controlling and very like, uh, uh, like physically controlling of Bolin, and does and doesn't actually treat him like a human being at all. Yep, she says the word slave, or he says the word slave. Um, he says, "As your." Uh, she says, I will make you mine. And Bolin says, like a boyfriend or like a slave? And she says, yes. <laughs> it's like... Mm. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this. Yeah, I don't I don't really dig that arc between them as we move forward, but... But, um... I will say that Aubrey Plaza's performance is really good. Yeah, yeah. The uh, other twin, not as much, I don't think, but Aubrey Plaza kills it. The other twin is like, I don't know why that character exists. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, Mako and Korra have another conversation. Korra is still frustrated. It's looking more and more like she wants to like go have Unalak be her teacher. Um But, like, Mako is still not, like, the boyfriend that Korra wants him to be. But is he the boyfriend she deserves? <laughs> anyway, spirit attacks. <laughs> yeah, so spirit attacks. Um, it completely owns everybody until Unalak manages to dismiss it by soothing it. Um, it is a weird owl spirit that is like kind of reminiscent of the owl spirit from the library in the first series. And when the yeah. preview images came out of this, I remember um, this spirit being 
one of the first looks that people got into the second season, and everybody just assumed that it was that character, which it's not. But I it didn't make that connection, similar. but yeah, I can see that. Um, so here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This is the like final nail in the coffin of okay, Unalak knows what he's talking about and should be my teacher. Mm-hmm. But if we're not supposed to think that Unalak is suspicious yet, they should have had to deal with a spirit attack before Unalak got there. Because yeah. I immediately thought, huh, it's weird that he showed up and immediately got to show off his his like core ability that makes him like valuable to you i can't think of the exact thing but like it seems like exactly a thing that happened in season one of like exactly what it seemed like exactly like tarlock yeah creating an incident just to show off that he's the only one who can handle the equalist like it's that exact same manipulation from the first season it feels like it i don't think it i don't know that it is but it certainly feels like it and i don't remember where this ends up it's not an outrageous idea to think that maybe they only have so many different ideas that they can repackage narratively. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, it, it is similar. It's just, I feel like they should have had a fight at the very beginning with a yeah. spirit. And then when Unalak shows up, he's like, oh, yeah, you don't know how to do this? Look, here's how you, here's what you do. And then they're like, oh, okay. Now right. I need to learn from Unalak because clearly none of you know how to deal with this, which is the conversation that happens in this scene. But they try but it, to do it all in one scene rather than across right. two. Yes. There should have been the, here's a place where my mentors are lacking. Here's a new face. Here's the new face proving to be proficient where my other mentors are not right but yeah it it does just play as like oh unalak set this up like genuinely not remembering how this shakes out it feels a lot like oh unalak secretly brought this spirit with him or like called the spirit here i don't think he did i don't think he did but like it's it's how it plays right yeah you know with since it since it's so ambiguous and since there were no spirits before the one guy who can handle spirits shows up that's just what it feels like you know yeah and we had the one scene at the very beginning with a spirit and a boat but that wasn't that didn't have anything to do with the characters we know it was just a teaser for the audience right um but yeah i would that scene at the beginning should have been cora fighting a spirit in, in my opinion yeah yeah you're you're not wrong um but yeah so the episode ends then with um cora like saying you know tenzin and tonrock gosh i'm gonna get that wrong so many times tenzin and tonrock are saying no you will not be teaching cora and cora kind of asserts herself and is like you know I have my own agency. You two can't make every decision for me. I want to train with Unalak, and so that's what's going to happen. And I'm the Avatar. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. (laughs) Um, She she says the words, I'm the Avatar. (laughs) Yeah. 
and he and like they make some good points like uh why did ang decide for the next avatar to be cooped up in one place and trained by all the masters instead of learning from other people around the world like he did maybe it's just to prevent another like kill the avatar as a child incident but like right it feels like ang is sometimes written to be oh this character who transcended uh, his own arc and then became this super wise person but also is presented as this person who is like bumbling and making a lot of errors in his adulthood which sure but mm. that's how like people are <laughs> um it's just kind of weird it feels a little weird yeah um but yeah that's the end of episode one and i might be kicked out of this room in five minutes that might be it for this time um you can find me on twitter at allison underscore coffee finally change that at <laughs> um, nora where can people find you i'm on twitter at neither nora the show is on twitter at white lotus pod uh get at us if you want to talk uh yeah everything else that we do is available on our twitters uh we're cutting yeah. it short here because uh ali's got to wrap up but we will catch you next week yeah bye bye